the Daily Nightly, a Jane Austen journey where we'll be reading the collected works of Jane Austen and her influence in pop culture. We are your humble servants. I'm Annie A.K. And I'm Jessie. And this is our first episode. Yeah, what an auspicious day. We're a very auspicious day. I wonder if there's, no, I was going to say, I wonder if there's any connection to auspicious in Austin. And no, that's probably just a really, really lovely coincidence. Oh my God, I would have loved to be clever enough to make some sort of pun right there, but it's pretty early in the morning. Yeah, as you said, you're still uh, getting your cup of coffee later and I'm working on my first one right now. Well, that sounds like a perfect time to talk about Jane Austen. Absolutely. Uh, the only better time would be if we had some tea. Oh, tea would be great, but this is America, Annie. I'm sorry. Dump all the tea in the harbor. <laughs> so, uh, Jesse, since we're doing a Jane Austen podcast, why don't we start with you? And you tell me how you first uh, came across Jane Austen and how she entered your life. You know, I wish she'd entered my life earlier, but I, you know, I was a pretty voracious reader growing up. My, I have very distinct memories of my parents dropping my sister and I off at the library. And while they did their adult librarying, we would go downstairs to the children and young adult section and kind of run around and, and read whatever we wanted, which for me meant a lot of stuff about horses at the time. <laughs> Aww, uh, but this checks out I, for everything I know about you. I know. Oh my gosh. I read every book with a horse on the cover, every single one. <laughs> But uh, it wasn't until high school that my lab partner in AP Bio was reading Pride and Prejudice, and she lent it to me after she was done. And like most girls of a certain age, I was hooked absolutely immediately and practically inhaled it and then bought my own copy so I could read it more than once, which I have probably every year since. And then I read as many other Jane Austen books as I could possibly get my hands on and subsequently devoured the BBC miniseries of Pride and Prejudice, all the movies of Pride and Prejudice, and so on and so forth, you know, daydreaming about Mr. Darcy and uh, and all the, the things that high school girls do when they're obsessed with a book and a character in a book. And, you know, I think my favorite of the Jane Austen books would be Persuasion and, and Emma and Pride and Prejudice, of course. And so basically, if all of this completely falls apart, we can blame my high school lab partner. Yeah, Jesse's lab partner. It's all your fault. I'm just saying that. I know. No, if this blows up in our face, we know who to blame. We'll just not us, it. obviously. No, not at all. It can't possibly be our fault at all. So what about you, Annie? How uh, Tell me about your Jane Austen origin story. Oh, well, it started 33 years ago in Anaheim, California. A little bundle of joy is born. No, not even that far. Um, so, <laughs> so, I like that, though. That would have been good. It was a beautiful, sunny day because it was Southern California. Um, no, so I, kind of like you, was like a huge book reader growing up. My parents weirdly had no idea what to do with me because neither of them really read a lot. Um, oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, it's uh, super weird. My dad always tells me that he thinks I get it from his father, who would read like a full novel every night after like a long day work. Also a lawyer like you. Um, oh. Yeah, he was a sweetie. But um, uh, so there was a lot of book reading, a lot of sitting in corners with my nose, you know, in between the pages. But also, you know, I was a kid that was raised by the television because both my parents worked. Um, mm -hmm. And somehow in all of this mix, I never actually that I remember read a Jane Austen book, which makes me a huge fraud for starting this podcast. But um, but because of all the TV stuff and film, uh, you know, 
she's just this pervasive icon that's wormed her way through literature and um, pop culture that I learned all the stories or most of the stories. And I know so many of the characters and dialogue. So um, I've become a fan uh, by absorbing her through that medium. Um, but because I love reading books, I really did want to just kind of actually sit down and read and take in the language as she originally wrote them. And I'm just like bearing my soul to all of you guys now because I feel like this is something I should have done years ago and years ago when I had so much time and way more attention span for reading books. Um, I mean, that's kind of it. <laughs> no, I, I think that's great. You know, I, I don't think you can... I don't think you can put like a timestamp on it, you know, like once you return 30, you're not allowed to to continue liking Jane Austen. Uh, there's just so many ways that she's permeated through pop culture. I remember reading Emma and thinking to myself, where have I seen? I remembered Clueless, which is still one of my absolutely favorite movies. Oh, and it's that's what it is, right? It's, it's Emma. And, and so there's just so many and they're constantly you know, Jane Austen things popping up in pop culture, uh, the Jane Austen diaries mm -hmm. and Lizzie Bennet diaries. Lizzie right? Bennet diaries. Mm -hmm. There seems to be like a, a new version of Emma, like every decade, at least, at least one um, from Cher to the Gwyneth Paltrow Emma. There was the miniseries with Romola Gary and uh, Johnny Lee Miller that was came out, I think, the last decade and was really, really lovely. And they're even uh, filming one right now with uh, Anna Taylor-Joy and my beloved Johnny Flynn. So, I mean, she's never going away, Austin or Emma. Oh, no. You know, I recently read a book, and I have to admit that I only read the book because of the Jane Austen connection. I think it's called Eligible. It wasn't the best book I ever read, but it was essentially Pride and Prejudice, but using a reality television show like The Ooh. Bachelor to frame it in that context. So Mr. Darcy was a doctor. <laughs> uh, you know, it was like a whole thing. It wasn't the best book, but it's so funny that, you know, people are still coming up with ways to modernize the story or put it in different contexts. And it's really just such a joy to be able to have that background knowledge and to explore, you know, this relative, you know, I don't know how to say old timey author. Yeah, no, it's, um, <laughs> just rediscover her. Absolutely. I was kind of looking at, um, you know, just glancing at some biographies and she was literally born before America was a country. And she somehow created these stories of this Regency area or era that somehow still has resonated through time. And even it, though it's come through all these different um, versions and adaptations and reimaginings, it's still somehow so resonant to so many of us. Um, it's kind of amazing. Oh, yeah. I, she was really, you know, a feminist. I think before they even really put that word into the context that we know mm -hmm. it, you know, the, you know, she has these strong female characters that, yeah, I mean, they're in the context of their historical time. They want to find husbands. They want to be self-sufficient in that way. But they really, you know, they're outspoken and they're clever and they're funny. And it's just such a joy to read them. Even in this time, I wouldn't say that they're dated or, or anything no. like that. And I think that's why I'm really looking forward to exploring her with you, Annie, on our podcast uh, and really just enhancing my understanding of her and reevaluating in the context of our times and, and who we are now, because we're both so different than when we first discovered mm -hmm. her. You know, I'm married now. I'm, I'm a lawyer. I've been to college and grad school. I'm not that kid yeah. 
in my AP bio class. No, well, I certainly hope not. And back then I definitely, <laughs> back then I definitely had more romantic ideas of how, about how the rest of my life would play out. And now I'm more and more turning into like pre Darcy, Elizabeth Bennett, where I'm just like, mm, marriage doesn't sound that great. Kids are probably oh, yeah, fine. You know, I'm kind of cool <laughs> I think that's what, sorry. Yeah. That's what Jane Austen, no, that's what she tells us. You know, like you don't, have to be a man, have a man or a, or a woman or a partner to be fulfilled. Uh, you kind of just need to be happy with yourself and who you are. And I think that's such a timeless me- message. Absolutely. And like, and you mentioned strong female characters that that is really actually quite a remarkable thing. Um, even nowadays, you still, you know, with the Avengers and all the superhero things going on, you always hear that phrase, strong female characters. And just, I mean, one, I personally have never met a woman who wasn't strong. <laughs> in some way mm-hmm. or another but um i don't care that much about a strong woman who can kick ass i mean i do i love that stuff but like i care more about that character if she's strongly written and she does that so fabulously just uh and, and again not having read the books but you can tell by the way that everyone has been able to take those characters and place them in different situations or retell their stories over and over again and that's really exciting for us to get into as we start this you know, I think strong female characters is a category that Netflix has suggested to me oh, before. <laughs> Based on your previous watchings, I think you'd like these movies about strong female characters. And sometimes it's a strong female character in a bikini. Isn't that odd? You know, women can uh, be strong and wear a bikini, Annie. I don't know what to tell you. Right. I'm going to be a strong female character in my sweatpants if anyone wants to know. I, I, that's perfect. I think, you know. You can have it all, is what I'm saying. <laughs> 2019. Yes. All right. um, so, I mean, we should, I guess we could talk about how we met, too. We know each other um, through pop culture conversations, really. We're huge fans of Game of Thrones, um, where, you know, we just kind of have run into each other in the fandom and just found out we, it turns out that Game of Thrones nerds are also book nerds. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that's uh, that big of a surprise, really. But it's been really a joy to get to know Annie through the internet and through Game of Thrones fandom. And when we discovered that we both had this in common, we it was kind of just we, we came together and, and Annie had already thought of this fabulous name for our podcast. Can we just get a round of applause for Annie for the Daily Nightly? I mean, come on. I do love a good pun. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it was one of those things I think we just as a joke, I'm just like, I'm just going to think up of a name. I'll be right back. I'm going to have some uh, ideas for some puns. And then I came back going, The Daily Nightly. And, you know, that was going to be that, except the idea just kind of took hold of my brain. And I think it was like only three days later where I mentioned it once a day since then in our little conversations. And you're like, hey, let's do this thing. I'm like, yes. Finally, someone heard my not so thinly veiled cry for attention. Oh, you know, when we were first doing the research for this podcast, I was fascinated that it was kind of a novel idea. You know, I, I've listened to some Harry Potter podcasts, some um, read-along Game of Thrones podcasts mm-hmm. that really, you know, they corresponded with the adaptions. And I, I've loved reading those. It's so great to get a hold on like a close reading as well as how it's adapted and, and, and things like that. And I was shocked when I when Annie said that she couldn't find a similar podcast. And I like to think of this as kind of a book club that we can all do together. We can all explore Jane Austen together and kind of 
have a book club just from all different parts of the country or the, the world, potentially. Yeah, I think also just together with people coming from different perspectives and everything going on in the world right now, it'll be really nice to see how all of that will color um, our perception and experience of reading Jane Austen today. No, I think that's right. And, and we have a lot of friends that are crazy Jane Austen heads, <laughs> Jane Austen nerds like us. And, and we're going to, you know, bring them along um, whenever they want and get their take on things. Uh, but for the first few episodes, I think it'll just be Annie and I, as we kind of find our groove and, and, and figure out what works for us. And, and we're excited to be on this journey with all of you. Absolutely. We're going to be grooving. <laughs> we are going to be We're grooving. already grooving, damn it. So uh, do we want to talk about how we're going to do this podcast, you know, how uh, how we're going to possibly do a book club from different states across the country? On the internet, yes. So um, <laughs> On the internet, on, to the internet. And that's real life now. Um, it's an episode. It's We're just all living in an episode of Black Mirror now. Yes. So um, we're going to be trying to go through the books uh, in order, I believe, in what they're written. Is that what we agreed on? Yeah, like a published date. I think we're going to start with Sense and Sensibility. I think the obvious play would maybe be to have started with Pride and Prejudice. But I think, you know, we should go through the journey as Jane did and explore uh, how her characters develop and grow the same way that that she wrote them. Yeah. And then, I mean, just like any other person who's been doing something for a long time, how you approach things and your perspectives are going to change. So that'll be really interesting to sort of um, see if we can detect that in her work um she didn't write them over like a huge span of time but you know people grow and change um and so it'll be really interesting to see where we start off with like sense and sensibility to where we move on down the line um every we're probably going to be doing episodes about every two weeks or we are doing episodes every two weeks um and covering about uh, five chapters each at least of sense and sensibility and just uh have a little chat about it, um, maybe focus on different themes or different characters, uh, and mostly just see where we go from there. Yeah, we know people are busy and, and you have your own pop culture to consume, your own books, your own graphic novels, your own television shows. And so we thought that five chapters every two weeks would be a really good manageable amount. And having read, gone through sens- sensibility and planned it out, there's so much in just five chapters, just one chapter of Jane Austen's work. And it's been such a joy to go through it and start thinking about different discussions, questions, different themes that run through, like Annie said. And I think there'll be a lot of meat in a discussion, even with only five chapters. And Sense and Sensibility is about 50 chapters in total. So it should take us a decent amount of time to go through, but at a pace that should be fine for everybody. Yeah, I know you're like a really fast reader too, unlike me. So um, I think it'll probably be nice to just, it already is actually, just taking the time to digest and maybe reread some chapters um, and just sort of savor them. Um, and really get to look at it from different sides and see what else we can pull from them other than just the obvious and the uh, uh, the surface stuff. Yeah, you know, I wasn't an English major or anything like that. You know, I'm a lawyer and, and the stuff that I read and write every day tends to be pretty stale and flat. So it's a joy <laughs> to kind of read the prose that Jane Austen has written. And it's just so, I just always marvel every time I read something that she's written, how accessible it is, how it's so fresh it is, how it could have been written yesterday. And even though some of the terminology is a little 
uh, dated and, and sometimes, you know, we're talking about an 18 year old who's an old maid and who hasn't <laughs> been married. I do think a lot of the prose is just really fresh and, and clever. And, and I, I quote myself, I quote her all the time in, in everyday conversation. Oh, goodness. We're going to have a good time. No. <laughs> yeah. So what's nice about Jane Austen books is that you can get a lot of them for free. You can download them on your Kindle or iPad or excuse me, iPad, my gosh, I think I just dated myself there. <laughs> people don't have iPads anymore. iPad, uh, however you like to read. I know a lot of people like physical copies, and I have an electronic copy as well as two physical copies of this book. I have one hardcover that's beautiful and one softer mm-hmm. cover that's already been highlighted and post-noted up. But, you know, that's why we kind of want, you know, it doesn't cost $20 to buy this book. You can download it for free and follow along. Uh, or you don't even need to follow along and hopefully will be just so entertaining that even if you haven't read the books that you'll enjoy listening along yes, with us. Yes, just be delighted by us on your morning commute. Um, on top of everything you suggested, <laughs> uh, the books are obviously also available at your local library. Please support them. Uh, you can also check out your local independent bookstores. They could always use some love. Uh, and um, I know you mentioned that uh, I was looking at different podcasts uh, about Jane Austen before we started this whole thing. And it turns out while there are not a ton of discussion podcasts about the books, there are a lot of free podcasts out there that are literally just the books being read aloud. So you may also want to check that out, too, if that's something that interests you. Yeah, you know, I've been really amused. You know, my parents used to listen to audiobooks on their commute, and they used to get them from the library. But now with Audible and all, we're not sponsored by Audible. Although by we way. would love to be you know, Audible. Like there's, yeah. <laughs> But I'm just fascinated by how many of my friends really are using Audible and downloading the, the audiobooks. And we'll see frequently people giving suggestions of really well-written or well-read audiobooks. And and I, I don't personally listen to audiobooks because I listen to so many oh, podcasts. Yeah. But it's just such another really cool medium that uh, books have taken uh, lately. And, and a lot of millennials, if you will, have uh, decided that it's one of the, the cool ways to follow along. Yeah, it's kind of also interesting to think how um, what Jane might think about how we take in literature these days, because, you know, it's not easy being bent over a desk, writing everything out on, you know, handmade paper with your quill and your bottle of ink. And now we're just like taking everything in, sitting on a bus that we don't have that doesn't bounce around like you're on a carriage or anything just absorbing the books this way yeah no and I think you know correct me if I'm wrong and and we haven't done as much research as we probably should have but I believe yeah (laughs) I believe Sense and Sensibility was written originally as letters and kind of compiled into the novel form so it's just fascinating to me and and eventually Annie and I will get better at providing some historical background to the things that we talk about, but just the way that novels were written back then, you know, a woman publishing, you know, how uh, this was kind of the way it had to be and, and the things that Jane had to do in her old life to enable her to be able to write because clearly she's so talented mm-hmm. at it. And I think it's really interesting just having taken a glimpse at her biography, how her home life had influenced um you know, had so much say in in how she became this writer, how she was able to really, uh, she was, um, how do I want to put this? How she was able to um, just feel encouraged and feel, uh, oh my gosh, my brain is just totally having a brain fart. How she was able to just really <laughs> um, develop the skill and this voice that was all her own and to feel encouraged and to blossom into the writer that she was, even though as a woman, not exactly something that 
uh, society rain praise and attention onto, which is slightly better now. <laughs> slightly, a very long now. slightly. No, and I, I mean, we even have a movie about the life of Jane Austen and how it possibly could have mimicked that of her books, becoming Jane. Oh, I cannot wait to talk about that one, mostly because of James McAvoy. Oh, I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm an Anne Hathaway stan, so we got to support do, our we team. Do. I am a big fan of the Anns. Oh well, obviously, obviously. there's no bias here at all. <laughs> no, and and you know some of the stuff I do know about Jane Austen from some research is that she was very close with her sister mm-hmm. Cassandra, and you can really see that in in her book, starting with Sense and Sensibility. The sister relationship is so prevalent in the novels, in the novel, excuse me, and of course in Pride and Prejudice, and it, the sisterly bond is just so important and I really think that learning about Jane Austen herself will really color that backstory for us and build a Absolutely. whole picture. Um, it's going to be really fun to kind of pick everything out um, but and I'm just looking forward to doing all this with you too Jesse. Oh likewise Annie no I think it'll be great and you know I, I talked about how timeless the story is but I really think that evaluating the characters from a modern perspective will really just enhance our understanding of them. You know, there's a character, um, Mrs. Bennett in Pride and Prejudice, and just recently my understanding of her has grown from kind of just this silly woman that no one really should listen to. And, I, you know, I've, I've just really enjoyed thinking a little bit more intensely about her as a character and why she is the way she is and and that's just one example and kind of more of a wide known example of a character in in the literature that maybe we've read one way but really should read yeah i mean um like you both said we were both more exposed to jane like really early on as teenagers teenagers not exactly known for um the most empathetic or sympathetic, nuanced, complex um, view of other characters. We're just going to automatically relate to like the brassy female heroine. Um, So it is going to be really interesting to look at like your George Wickham's and your uh, Mrs. Bennett's and maybe start to see exactly where they come from and see where it's hidden within the stories and descriptions themselves of, of that. These are maybe not the most terrible people. They're just still a bit of an obstacle or a problem or an annoyance but that is not all they are yeah and it'll just be really nice to explore with you and and delve back in into the the books and we're also going to talk about the adaptions and annie indicated that there are so many and obviously there's more of emma and and pride and prejudice but there's so many of Sense and Sensibility, including the Emma Thompson movie, which I am sure Annie is extremely excited to talk about. I'm sorry, it's Kate Winslet and it's Emma Thompson and Alan Rickman, and I don't think I need anything more in my life. No, you don't have to explain (laughs) yourself to me. Yeah, um, and on top of that, we're going to be looking, uh, we'll probably try to make some more time for just not just the typical, you know, ivory merchant, merchant ivory, whichever one it is, uh, the very stuffy British... um, period adaptations we'd like to take a look at um other ones from maybe different cultures or different languages as well as the different mediums and different time periods um just to see and it'd be really cool to see how everyone else not just from this one very narrow specific point of view actually take in and experience these stories yeah no i you know this is it'll be a journey you know a journey is in the name of uh our description here and our podcast but it's also a journey for us you know we're gonna kind of 
explore the best way to go about discussing the book. Uh, I think we do have a pretty good structure here, but we really want to hear from you listeners as to what type of things you like in your reading. You know, if you like more of a structured discussion, if you'd like us to maybe do more summarizing, um, that kind of stuff. So we're really going to look forward to having this be a dialogue as well as as instead of Annie and I just lecturing it. Because I've heard myself talk and quite frankly, it could do with other voices. Yeah, you know, Annie, everyone has always told me that I have a oh, face yeah. for radio. <laughs> it's the last time I'll make that joke. There, is, there might also be a reason why we're recording this without video. <laughs> Annie doesn't want it's to see It's just too much face. for me. It's like looking directly to the sun. It's true. Um, yeah, so like Jesse said, we want to hear from all you guys. Anything you guys want to talk about or focus on or any other perspectives you may have. Lord knows we're going to be wrong from time to time. Although, really, when you're discussing books and interpretations, there isn't necessarily a wrong answer um, unless I tell you you're wrong. Um, uh, we're going to be probably doing some focus and spotlights on different characters or um, looking at different themes. We're probably going to be bullying bullying some of our friends into joining in and adding in their uh, voices as well. Uh, We may or may not be discussing the Men of Austin, one of my favorite categories uh, of discussion, and just uh, see where we go from there. Yeah, and you know, we thought that for our first episode, for the first our first real episode, not that this isn't real, of course, but for our first episode discussing actual chapters of Sense and Sensibility, we're not really going to have discussion questions this first time. Uh, But I do want people to kind of take a look out, be on the lookout for themes. You know, when I first reread these chapters, I was really just struck by the satire in them and how dry the the wit is. You know, there's no outward jokes here in in Austin's work, but instead there's an entire chapter dealing with the economics of wills and uh, trusts and donating money and, and family and taking care of your family. And it's a very funny chapter, even though it's also a little bit sad. And I was just completely blown away by that. Uh, I also think that people should look out for the themes of family. If you've read Austin before, if you haven't, I don't think it would be hard to notice the emphasis on families and siblings and mothers mm-hmm. in particular uh, so keep an eye on for out for that instead of maybe looking for answers to specific discussion questions this first time that sounds pretty good to me yeah so if you have any thoughts any suggestions for us feel free to email us at the daily nightly at gmail.com we also have a twitter at nightlypod. feel free to tweet at us i believe we also have an instagram that annie has been collecting uh, a lot of fun things to post on there oh yeah so once i actually get going it's going to be something hopefully uh, <laughs> probably um but uh please do reach out to us um we really look forward to hearing you guys have to say and for your input uh until next time uh when we've all definitely for sure have certainly read the first five chapters of sense and sensibility and have a nice little chat about that uh we will uh talk to you next time yeah looking forward to it yeah uh special thanks to ryan silberstein our very lovely podfather and also thank you very much to uh some guy name kevin mcleod who provides music for the show until next week we'll see you all later until next week bye bye